Hi there and welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Monday afternoon, December 21st, 2020. He is Tristan H. Cockroft. The H stands for Happy Holidays to All. Kyle Soppy is our researcher and producer and I am merely Eric Carabell. Somebody needed to host. Tristan, I hope you're okay with this, but I plan on um, t- discussing the Neftali Felice signing to the Phillies for the next half hour and then we'll have a little bit of time for you to speak. And then we'll have some questions from the users from Twitter. You're okay with that, right? Because Naftali Felice is going to lead the Phillies in saves this year. He's better than Hector Neris, which actually says a lot and might be true. Um, do you have any thoughts on the Naftali Felice signing, Tristan? I do. It's actually uh, very apropos for the week. You know, Felice Navidad, come on. Yeah. Oh, I get it. Nice. Good, good job, man. This, and, and I got to say, I think this is our first Christmas week show ever. Yeah, and it's all because you said, let's do one. Um, you know, if I was creative enough, because that's really kind of how it happened. You just, like, texted me, like, hey, want to do a show? Um, if I was creative enough, I would have said, Neftali Feliz Navidad. You'd have said that- it if you were really creative. Come on, let's get going. No, you're the singer here. Um, is there a song to get us going? Like, oh. like, in the news? Oh, the news song. Isn't there a news song? It's the most frustrating time of the year free agents aren't signing and i am sure whining dh in the new year we don't know that's really good did that you was so you good you didn't plan that did you no i i the thing that did strike me was the free agents not signing uh, right before the show though <laughs> but no, i made why would they? Part. <laughs> that's a good song and i i really feel like we're just doing shows so you can sing and I hope you're okay with that. So there's a lot of pressure on you there. I have no pressure. I just kind of talk a little bit. I'm going to start scripting songs now. Great. <laughs> um, we're not really going to waste time on Naftali Felice, but we will do a closer carousel in a few minutes. So I suppose on today's show, not a ton has happened in baseball in uh, December so far. And I don't suspect the rest of December is going to be any more flooded with news. But we will have a cover at ESPN Fantasy and, of course, getting ready for the 2021 season. We don't know when that's going to start. Um, or whether pitchers are going to bat, or whether what they're going to do in extra inning games, or any of that. But as long as they announce it before the season, it's like a fantasy league in that respect. So, um, <laughs> which, you know, no sarcasm there, no big hashtag sar- sarcasm, not in the slightest. Well, actually, in a fantasy league, if I was running a league, I'd already have all this stuff done. <laughs> Wouldn't you? <laughs> or at least it would be, yeah. I mean, either either the commissioner would have sent out those rules, or there would have been a league wide vote on whether it was going to happen. It would already be done because it would be done. Uh, opening day, could you imagine? Well, uh, it's God. happening, but we're going to talk about the happy stuff, the players who already have signed, and there are enough players here to talk about. And we know that not every league is a ten team, you know, uh, league. Some people play in AL and NL only. Some people play in dynasty formats. So we'll get to the names and we'll just tell you what we think. And if you like it, great. And if you don't. Well, there's another show coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, Lance Lynn is now a member of the White Sox, and you wrote about that capably at ESPN Fantasy, and people can read it, of course. But, I mean, bottom line, did you move him up? Did you move him down? Did you not move him? What were your initial thoughts when that happened? I did not move him at all. Uh, so you knew it happened, at least. I want to make I, sure that you know. I knew, I knew that it happened when well, I wrote about it. <laughs> I wrote there that I didn't change the ranking for him at all. Uh, because any anything that's lost by the move is gained by the benefit of going from one of the worst teams in the league with little run support to one that had some of the best. I mean, the the wrinkle in this this trade is that Texas's new ballpark did play extremely pitcher friendly last year. So the debate about park factors and whether uh, you can invest in a sixty game sample 
is kind of relevant here. And for a new park, it's the only data we have. It was extremely pitching leaning. So if you want to say he's going to Chicago, whatever, what do they call Chicago's now? No, guaranteed rate is, is uh, Cleveland's. I don't care what they call it. It's the other. No, I mean, oh, gosh, it's guaranteed rate field. It, it's Homer friendly. It's considerably more Homer friendly than what uh, Globe Life. I think it's field now. Well, uh, what you think Globe Life is? It was thirty games. You can't possibly make a make a any. We don't know what Texas New Stadium is. It didn't play as a pitch as a hitter's park in thirty games, but that could change. You know, next season. Um, I, I think in a, in a broader sense here, because I didn't move Lance Lynn in my rankings either. Um, do you think anybody's going two hundred innings? Now, we talk a lot about the minor leaguers and the fact they didn't get to pitch and Mackenzie Gore and all that, but nobody got to pitch a lot in 2020. So do you think that that means that guys like Lance Lynn, who could lead the majors in innings pitched, are they doing it with 220 innings or are they doing it with 180 innings? Because that would matter on how you would construct a fantasy team. Right. And and to be completely fair to this question, I'm going to answer it as if we're looking at a, a an uninterrupted, on-time fully scheduled 162 game season. And if that's the case, I do think we're going to see 200 inning pitchers. I, however, personally, I'm not sure that's what we're going to see. I'm not sure we're going to get 162 games or that it's going to be on time. And if it is a little condensed, it's going to make it much more difficult for pitchers to reach that. So if I'm planning today, I would assume that it's not actually going to happen, but not because teams go with that strategy is that, that they're going to have to make some sort of adjustment like they did last year. I think the volumes are going to be down and you are going to be looking to maximize the production you get fantasy-wise per inning. So, Lynn, in 2020, 3.32 ERA, the FIP was a run higher. Um, do we care about that because it was only you know 10 or 11 starts? Do we care about the difference in ERA and FIP in a two-month season? In a six-month season, I do care. It would tell us a lot about performance. But I don't care about – Lance Lynn is not someone who I think is going to win an ERA title in 2021 or ever. But – that's a little disconcerting that his FIP was so much higher than his ERA, but does that even matter over such a short sample? I, I think it matters from the sense that if I, if I'm looking at FIP and ERA differential 60 games into a 162 game schedule, I do expect some correction to that in the ERA. But if I'm looking at it from a full season perspective, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I can't get too worked up about it. Here, here's the other problem with Lance Lynn. A lot of the final stats were influenced poorly by that awful last start that you and I talked about, where the Rangers just kept him out there to eat up innings, eat up innings in a game that was lost right away. He had a 2.53 ERA if you take out the last start of the season. I'm trying to get what the FIP would be just over those particular ones. That's why I'm not even looking. I, I mean, I don't want to interrupt, but I mean, I'm not even looking at anybody's numbers, to be honest with you, because I know that one pitcher's bad start when the manager left him out there way too long affects Lance Lynn's overall numbers, so I don't care what they are. I'm judging a lot of these players off of 2019 and prior, and that's how I'm looking at it, as a lot of what happened in 2020 just doesn't matter all that much to me. I don't care what Yelich did. I don't care that Lance Lynn's ERA went from 250 to 350 and his FIP is 450. I don't care about any of that. I just yeah. don't. But so. you, can't, you can't outright dismiss it, but I, I lean in your direction that, that it's very dangerous to put a steep investment in. I mean, if you look at Lance Lynn, 10 of his 13 starts were quality starts. He's good. He's an innings eater, but with a good with a, a not an ERA that'll win you the league, but if it's 350 with those innings, that gives you a nice baseline. Uh, a couple other pitchers here I just want to get to. Smaller names, of course. See if you have any of care here. Anthony Sclafani is now a member of the Giants. Um, 
Not a big innings eater guy, I guess. Uh, pitched 33 and two-thirds in 2020. High ERA, but misleading on his FIP. But now he goes to San Francisco's pitcher's park. So to me, if Kevin Gosman can have a revitalization in San Francisco, even in two months, you know, I can see Anthony Discofani beating out Lance Lynn in ERA. It may not mean that much, okay? He won't have the strikeouts. But yeah, I can see Discofani with a 350 ERA, can't you? I could, yes. As a, as a matter of fact, you know, and here's another case of they did make an adjustment to the ballpark, so you have to dig a little bit into the park factor data just from last year. They moved the fences in a little bit. It played slightly hitter-friendly last season, but I, I can't invest too much in that. I still look at San Francisco as one of the most pitching-friendly environments in the game. So the Kevin Gosman comp from last year. Gosman at this point was not considered a guy to, to believe in at all, but he had some decent talent, some promise that people had seen beforehand. He made some adjustments, went to that park, a great situation, and he did pretty darn well fantasy-wise. Di Scofani could do the same. The contrast from Cincinnati to San Francisco is enough of a, a, at least to me, a shift in park factors that I do think at, at the very least he's going to be a good matchups guy. Yeah, I can make the case as a top 75 starting pitcher. I, I don't know if I'll go much further than that. I don't know if I'd go top 50. I don't think I would. But top 70 in, yeah. in the 60s, maybe the 70s. I mean, he's not a major strikeout guy, but he's okay. Uh, Michael Walker is in Tampa Bay. And the only reason that this kind of raised an eyebrow to me is because it's Tampa Bay. They, they fix pitchers. We don't know. Maybe he's a one-inning reliever. Maybe he's our number four starter and makes 25 starts, and they're good. Um, he was not good last year. Um, I would take the Scofani over Waka, and that's to say I might not even take the Scofani in a 10-team league. But Waka, any interest there? You're in an AL league. Would you bid a dollar on him, or would you just stay away because of the bad ERA? I have to assume Tampa is doing this, that they're going to do something with him. Yeah, and and as a matter of fact, I've, I've read in a few places where people have talked about the fact that they – are getting him signed soon enough so that they could try to, you know, figure out exactly how to fix him is kind of relevant. It's not the kind of thing where you sign him right before spring training and you rush him in there and then you're trying to cure the guy in a matter of six weeks. Uh, to me, Waka, I, I've, you know, I've, I've been a fan of his, I, I've rooted for him. It's, you know, look, he hasn't had a great past couple of years, but when he was pitching well, he had that great changeup. He was able to change speeds incredibly well. And if Tampa can get him back on that track, which I think they should have a, a chance to, yeah, maybe he is worthwhile. Is he gonna, I, I don't actually think he's going to go for a buck in an AL-only league. I think he's going to cost you a little bit more because it's known the Tampa Bay factor. Um, and if you want to contrast the two of them, Discofani to me in a fantasy league is the guy that I want to have as the streaming pitcher. But I don't see a lot of upside. Walkers is the wide variance where this could just be a throwaway signing or you know what? He could be a top 40 fantasy starting pitcher who you want in there all the time. He, it could pan out that well. I think the ceiling is definitively higher. Right now, Tampa's rotation looks like Blake Snell, Tyler Glass now, Ryan Yarbrough, Michael Waka, and Josh Fleming. These are our friends at Roster Resource and Fangraphs. So I think there's opportunity there. Uh, they can make more signings. They could trade Blake Snell for a couple other, uh, you know, lesser names. We will see what happens with Blake Snell in the next six weeks. Hopefully we get some clarity on that situation. Uh, moving on now, I want to talk about James McCann, the Mets. Um, they gave him a four-year deal, $40 million guarantee. And, you know, at first I was, I was kind of hoping that the Phillies would get McCann on a short deal, not four years. And then, like, it might have been my dad who said, well, why wouldn't, why wouldn't the Mets get JT Real Muto? Or, you know, McCann's a good signing. And I thought, I don't think he's a good signing. That's a lot of years for a guy who hasn't been a starter in a couple of years. Would we make James McCann a top 10 fantasy catcher? 
My initial thought was no, because what he did the last couple of years was not as a full-time catcher. So he wouldn't, in theory, he wouldn't do it now as a full-time catcher. Right. I mean, that's just kind of how I'm thinking. Like, how can James McCann be a top 10 catcher? And I don't see him in anywhere near your rankings that high, but he is the Mets starter. There should be volume there. Can you make the case for this as a top 10 fantasy option? I can make the case, but most of it is condemning the catcher position that he could just find his way into it from a volume perspective. The Mets are paying him and they're looking at him as the defensive uh, minded handles the pitching staff well kind of thing. And and I, I think, you know, he, he could fall into 500 plate appearances just from that and hit 20 home or up to 20 home runs, hit for an okay batting average, 273 in his last full year as I continue to frantically try to find where he was in the catcher ratings in 2019. I can't, can't Hi, Babbitt. Like Babbitt, the last two seasons. Now, he's made changes and his hard hit rate has gone up, but this is a guy who... Man, it just looks like he's been really fortunate <laughs> the last year and a half. This is the I, – I track catchers a lot because of the needs for forecaster. And if you know anything about Brian McCann – or Brian McCann, James McCann. <laughs> if you know anything about James McCann, he hits lefties well when things are going quite nicely. So if you're in a league format that allows you to mix and match all of your catcher games – I'll give you an example. We, you and I have played the Ottenu game. That is the perfect place to have James McCann because you know exactly the days that you want to use him and you're managing the catcher games underneath the cap. If you're in a league like that where you have the bench depth in order to do this, to pick and choose, I actually like McCann a lot, especially in this situation where he's going to play. By the way, I won that league you're referencing. I know you did. (laughs) Uh, Moving on, yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on James McCann. who has never had even 440 at-bats in a season. Um, David Dahl. This is odd. Now, we used to talk about Dahl a lot, but it was mainly because he was a member of the Colorado Rockies. So he had that home field advantage there, playing there. And he he hit. He ran. He didn't do anything in 2020, and he always gets hurt. But now he's in Texas, which looks like the polar opposite of Colorado, maybe. Okay. But not too old. Kind of in his prime. Um, There might be power upside here. It's It's a high fly ball rate. But again, courts. I don't know what of this is real. So in 2019, wasn't he an all-star? He hit for pop, hit for average. I'm sure he had home road splits that were crazy. But David Dahl, could he matter in a normal 10-team league? And and give me like a projection for him. He could matter. Um, it, it's a fresh start, and I, I do endorse the whole fresh start kind of ideas for players who've gotten off track. I was actually surprised to see the Rockies let him go, to be honest with you. 79-point Woba split between home and road. That is that's a problem monstrous to say the least. I mean, the batting average was 70 points apart just alone. And I know you and I don't care that much about batting average. Well, his slugging was 136 points wide. That's a problem when you consider that Texas might well be a pitching friendly ballpark. If it leans that far in that direction, in addition to the ballpark effects, I think adapting from playing games in Coors Field to going back to sea level is going to present problems from this is the Corey Dickerson lesson in the Tampa Bay year. I worry about that a lot. But he does have a decent amount of pop. He can steal some bases. If he gets lucky on the health department and he doesn't cost you that much in fantasy leagues, yeah, you know, could be worthwhile. Let's throw, throw a projection. I, I don't think he gets more than 450 PAs. Let's say he gets 17, 18 homers. I think he could steal nine, eight, nine bases. 
Yeah, and I, w- I would say like 275 would be the highest I would go on his batting average. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, wanna, I wanna say like if I'm, if, if I need one outfielder in a regular league, you know, a mixed league, I would probably take Hunter Renfro, who just joined. To, where did Hunter Renfro go? He's not on Tampa. He's in Boston. Yeah. I would take Hunter Renfro in Boston over David Dahl in Texas, not just because of the different ballparks, but I'm pretty confident Hunter Renfro is going to hit for power. Like that's a 25 home run guy with a right field arm. Boston's going to play him every day, I, I presume. Whereas Dahl is not going to play as much. Now, Renfro doesn't hit right handers very well, but at least I know I'm getting power and some sense of durability. So as a last pick, I'd be more likely to take Renfro than Dahl, and I think, as I turn my email off, and I do, and I think that would matter. Like that, that kind of says a lot right there, doesn't it? That you would take Renfro, that I would take Renfro over Dahl. Would you do the same? It does say a lot. Um, I, I like where you're going here, and I am tempted to jump on board with this. The problem is, is a projections creator mindset. The, the mindset that I have with that, a, any projection system is going to have Dahl ahead of Renfro because he gives you more balance across categories. But I like the fit in Boston. Um, Having the green monster there, that's going to raise his extra base hit factor. It might not raise his power numbers. It's not a great right-handed home run hitting park, but he could really ramp up the extra bases that could pour in the RBI. And if he does have the everyday job, if the Red Sox don't add more outfielders, I agree with you. I think there's, there's some real value potentially there in Renfro. And by the way, I'm well aware he's a career 228 hitter who doesn't get on base very much. But San Diego was played like played like a pitcher's park, and then he was in Tampa Bay, so he's never really had a shot to be in a either a neutral ballpark or a hitter's park like Boston is. And he did hit 33 home runs in 2019. Now he bat 216, but I prefer not to play in leagues that count batting average. So OPS was 778. It's a low on base. I don't want him in a sim league. But I do think that there's some there, – he's not too late for Renfro to hit 250 with 30 home runs. I could see that happening in Boston. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and, and I agree. The weird part about it is that Fenway, you think of it as a hitting-friendly park. It's good for runs. It's not as good for home runs as you think it is. So, But, I mean, still, the fact that he's a right-handed, big-power, hit-high-fly balls kind of guy, he might actually benefit from the green monster in left field. I'm curious about this fit. It, to see Renfro playing there, having his defense coming in, in front of the Green Monster, do they play him every day, and does he take advantage of just trying to hit those high flies and you know reach the monster? I don't know. It's it, It'll be curious to watch. When you talked about Texas's ballpark, they picked up Nate Lau um, from Tampa Bay. Nate, um, Nate Lowe. He's low, Brandon Lau. Brandon Nate Lowe. Yeah. So he should be their first baseman this coming season. It, it, it's obvious what Texas is doing. They're trying to get their lower their payroll. And I think half the teams in the league are doing the same thing. You know, Philly's among them. The Reds are now peddling. We hear Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo, not going to get Bauer back. We'll get to Racel Iglesias. But Texas could be interesting because Nate Lowe could be their everyday first baseman. He's a guy who really slugged in the minor leagues. Is there a 30 home run season in Nate Lowe's future, do you think? Or And first base is not deep, people. So it's not like this is a, you know, a guy like you say, oh, I don't even want a guy at first base. No, first base is not deep at all. Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, this is uh this is a guy that if everything clicks, he plays every day, gets that job. I could see him hitting 30 home runs. I don't think he's going to be a great batting average guy. But the path to get there is he needs to get under the ball a little bit more. Has to elevate the launch angle. That was a problem last year. He hit too many grounders. But it's an opportunity to play. That's a big plus. 
absolutely needs to be taken in the mid to late rounds in an AL only. There are so, certainly worse guys for your last pick in a, in a standard mixed. Now, I think Tampa moved into Texas because they just had too many offensive players. But if we, if we, if we view Tampa Bay as a smart organization, I'm not saying Texas isn't, do you downgrade a player when they leave Tampa Bay or no? No, not necessarily. Okay. I, because they know what they, we assume they know what they're doing. They just made a World Series yeah. with one of the lowest payrolls ever. Uh, in, not ever, but like you know what I mean. Like in relation to the other team that was in the World Series. Yeah. And if Tampa Bay does something, I think all right, they know what they're doing. If the Dodgers do something, I think the same thing. But there are teams like when Baltimore does something, I'm like, what are they doing? Um, I'll, so I'll, I'll, be, I'll be totally honest with you. I'm not that familiar with the three prospects they got in exchange. So I, that I think they just didn't have room for him on their 40-man rosters, how I viewed Probably Nalo. right. Probably and right. They, they didn't need him to play every day, and that's why they moved him. Moving on. Redundant for a couple of the other guys there. When I saw that the Royals signed Carlos Santana, my first thought was, can't wait to get him in a points league. Now, everything on the we've talked about on the show so far has been roto leagues, but we should get points leagues involved here because Carlos Santana is not a very good roto player, but in points leagues he is. Um and then Hunter Dozier, I think, is their third baseman now. Uh, so that's interesting to me because I was on Hunter Dozier for 2020, did not hit well, but in 2019 he did. So the combination of Santana and Hunter Dozier in the middle of that lineup with Jorge Soler, that's interesting to me. We know Carlos Santana is going to take a lot of walks. He's got at least 25 home run power. Carlos Santana is a top 50 player in a points league. You can make that case. Top 150 in a roto. Is that fair? Um. More on board with the points. He's always been underrated in points, and I maybe he's he's so underrated he's overrated. I don't know. Um, I'm not as wild about this destination as you are. I think it's Ballpark. really no. Well, yes, exactly. I think it's great for his playing time and his lineup spot. But Kansas City is an awful place for power. It is the it was at least for the three years before the abbreviated 2020 was the third worst ballpark for home runs. We're talking a, a near 20 percent decline comparative to Cleveland. Yeah, that's a problem. I don't care about his batting average in 2020, 199. I also don't care about his batting average the year before of 281. Neither look accurate to me. He's a 250 hitter in his career. That's what I think he's doing in Kansas City. I think he's hitting around 25 home runs. I think he's walking 100 times, and I think he could score 100 runs. Because he gets on base so much. That's how I view it. If they bat him second, or right ahead of like Do- Dozier and Solaire, and maybe I'm missing somebody else in the middle of that lineup, that interests me. Because, you know, I don't think people are thinking about Carlos Santana. I will be, and, and in a sim league, you want him. So that's how I'm, I'm looking at it. Their potential lineup, you know, Whit Merrifield leading off, then Mondesi. Uh, Salvador Perez had a nice two month season. So they're, they're you know, they, they might score runs. They should be batting Santana second and certainly not Mondesi. But yeah, but they're not going to do that. <laughs> that is a problem for Santana, and you can have him, unless it's a points league. All right, moving on. Um, any other hitters? No. Um, all right, so let's do now a closer carousel because we have a lot of news there. You want to sing that song, please? It's the closer carousel. Yes, it is, as Tristan sings. The big news, I guess, would be uh, the Reds dumping the contract of Rezel Iglesias on the Angels, and it's a good move for both teams. Reds have to cut payroll, and don't say they don't, you know, they don't have to. They're, you know, their owner's a billionaire. They're cutting payroll, okay? 
So it is what it is. A lot of teams are doing it. If one team was doing it, it'd be different. The Angels get Iglesias for a year. They needed a closer. Um, a lot of teams, like they, even Dombrowski in Philadelphia at his press conference said he wants a closer. It may not be Hector Norris, but a lot of teams want to have one guy as a closer. So Iglesias had nice numbers in 2020, better than I thought he had. Um, but in 2019 and in the previous years, he was a guy who gave up home runs. Was that because of Cincinnati? Or is it because he's a guy who gives up home runs? A lot of closers are fly ball oriented. Um, what are your thoughts here? I, I think Iglesias is clearly a top 10 closer in fantasy. And I view him as someone who I might end up getting in like round 12 or 13 if he's still there. I think that's probably the right valuation. Uh, do you think he closes there? I think he tends to get a little bit overlooked. The, the Reds did have competitors. They had interesting upside guys around him. So people were hedging a little bit on somebody else taking over the job. I think he's got much more closer security with the Angels. Oh, that's fair. I like that. Yeah, because, I mean, I think basically Joe Madden was like, I'm not going with this group again. Like, it was like, what, Ty Buttry, Mike Mayers, Cambit Rojan. It was a disaster. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, Robles was terrible. And then uh, Robles, who, right. who was the guy after Robles was even Well, worse. Mike Mayers, like this Mayers 29, yeah, Mayers he was very well. He had like a low ERA, but, you know, Never really done anything like that. Anyway, Iglesias, to me, is a definite top 10 fantasy closer. Um, I wouldn't put him on the same level as, like, where you rank him is is fine. You have him ranked as a number seven closer. That was with the Reds. But now with the Angels, I might move him up, actually, over Taylor Rogers. Um, you know, I can see him getting more saves because of, than old world is Chapman because he'll pitch more innings. So I can't really make that switch. But, oh, I would definitely have him over Kenley Jansen. So I'm going to have Iglesias probably my top five closers. You're um, such a Kenley Jansen hater. I'm not. I mean, what do you see? Why do you oh, we've, him? we've had that debate so many times. That, look, I, Jansen had, had had some of the best job security of any closer for the past three, four years. I can assure you that. <laughs> well, I agree with that, but we know that Bruce Dar Gratterall is good, okay, and throws hard. Yep. And they just picked up Corey Knavel when Milwaukee dumped his salary. So there are now two hard-throwing right-handers, a lot harder throwing than Jansen. In the Dodgers' bullpen. And I understand they just won the World Series. But you're confident that Kenley Jansen is going to be able to throw 60-plus 60 innings with an ERA blow through? Maybe they still let him close no matter what. But between Gratterall and Knable, who do you think is most likely to get double-digit saves? Of those two? Yeah. Probably Gratterall. I think of them as more of a progressive mindset for, for bullpen management. But they could also lean a little bit towards uh, – committee the, the thing with Jansen though understand this my, my overall relief rankings are considerably down I mean Jansen Jansen is down easily 50 spots in my overall rankings compared to years past and I won't be shocked if if I've got five relievers tops even close to the top 100 overall when we get to to the the preseason drafts once spring training starts I could see that being that few all right other moves that have made among the closers here Rafael Montero the Rangers dumped his salary on Seattle and Seattle doesn't really have a closer, but so now they do. So that's interesting. Um, do you feel confident in Rafael Montero? I don't want to call him a top 10 closer, but if he's locked into the role, you can make the case. You, know, you can make the case that, well, obviously, we're waiting on Liam Hendricks and Brad Hand to find homes. Uh, and when they do, we will rank them appropriately. But could you see Rafael Montero being a top 10 fantasy closer? If it's his job, yeah, I, I very well could. 
I think he's got good stuff, made some adjustments as a relief pitcher, but I do think the Mariners might attempt to add another reliever. And I've listened to those Blake, Tri- Blake Trinan rumors, and you'd predict that Trinan would land a closer job somewhere. He will. So let me ask you this. There's three closers that I want to – you ranked them for me. Yeah. And they're all bad teams in the American League. Half the American League has good teams and bad teams. The National League is much more uh, much more of a fight for the playoffs. So Montero in Seattle. Uh, Jose LeClerc is Texas's closer again. And Greg Holland re-upped with the Royals. They love him. He's going to be their closer, no question about that. So Montero, LeClerc, and Holland, can you trust any of them? Can you trust all of them? Are any of them close to your top ten closers? I, I probably, you know, and again, we're assuming here that Montero is the job. That's even, a no. <laughs> That's a no. Your sigh means no. It is a no. LeClerc, LeClerc has shown injury and inconsistency over the past year and 60 games. Uh, Holland can't get through a year at high production. He hasn't done it since, what, 2014, I think now? Um, Holland can be – I'll take that ha- the great half season of Greg Holland. And I'll cash him in in June or July. I mean, that 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 might be the wisest direction to go here. But if I'm going to pick one guy to lock in, it's probably going to be Montero. I just think the stuff is a little bit more natural than I do trust him to hold that job and stay healthy. Fair enough. Um, any other closer news? I mean, we're just waiting on these guys to sign I, at this point. I have a question for you. I would like to know your guy in Cincinnati now. Yeah, I, you know what? I, Lucas Sims is my guy. <laughs> um, the lefty is Amir Garrett. Um, Neither one of them have experience in the role, but Lucas Sims, in a brief 2020, did fine. Can strike people out, former starting pitcher, as they almost all are. Um, but at this point, I mean, I can't make him a top 20 relief pitcher in my rankings. I mean, because I'd rather take – at that point, I would rather take pitchers that I think are going to be good relief pitchers, like Devin Williams, who won the – what did he win? He won Rookie of the Year, which yeah. – you know, if he had given up two more runs, he wouldn't have won Rookie of the Year. I don't really like it. I think it should be a position. I, I would have voted for Alec Bohm. Brian Hazen maybe didn't play that enough. Close, that was definitely a close race, though. But Devin Williams had the flashy numbers, and everybody thinks he's the best relief pitcher because he had, he allowed the fewest runs. But we know that that can be manipulated. And, you know, I just don't buy that. But the, the point is, like, Sims. right now, I would take Corinne Shack in Cleveland and Devin Williams over any Cincinnati relief pitcher, but I would do that for a lot of teams. Like, I want to see a little bit more clarity. I, I doubt the Reds are going to sign a lot of players. Let's put it that way. I, I agree with you on all the assessments of Sims with one exception here, and that is that if we had a promise of that being his role, I actually think he's a top 10 closer. Um, that's a lofty goal, man. I mean, like, you're already going there with him? I mean, so you would take... Promise of the closer job if he had been declared the closer. And by the way, Garrett... Garrett himself tweeted out, what, a week ago that he his intent is to claim that closer's job. So there is a clear competition. But I think the adjustments that Sims made do put him up in that tier. If we're going to be pro Montero, we should be pro Sims. Sims, by the way, three extra base hits allowed to lefties the entire year. And he's a right-hander. Would you, so would you take him over Giovanni Gallegos if you knew Gallegos was St. Louis's closer? If I know they're both the closers? I would take Sims. And I see you dropped Nick Anderson down in your rankings. Why did why did that happen? It's more of pessimism on the position itself and knowing that that bullpen is going to go with its mix and match. And then, of course, after that postseason, you know, when I took a little bit closer look at the numbers, I wasn't so confident in Nick Anderson meeting the ERA whip and K's expectations. Okay. Because I, I find it interesting that you've got Karinczak, Nick Anderson, and Devin Williams behind 
guys like Montero and Gallegos who may close but may not, or Alex Colomay, who we all know I is not doing that again. Okay. I've got Nick Anderson in my top ten. Oh. Um, okay. So let's move on to the next topic. Um there any other players who you'd like to discuss? I mean, we had a, there was a surgery for Cody Bellinger, but it doesn't matter to me. I still rank him in the top 10. I think we all do. Um, 2020 was not a great season for him, but it wasn't for Yelich either. If we're going to trust one, then we have to trust them both. Um, you agree with that? I would say so, yeah. Okay. Um, any other, other things there? We had a couple of injury things, didn't we? Kyle, you know, I can't read things with the yellow lettering. <laughs> Well, I mean, we don't know yet about like um, Chris Sale, Strasburg, Strasburg. Yeah, I, I think I, I don't want to definitively say this, but I, I don't think they're starting the season on time, and I think that's good for a lot of these pitchers. Yeah. So, well, I want to raise a question for you here: that if if my theory is true that opening day doesn't go as expected and it's delayed. Is there a benefit here to those injury guys? So, for example, Chris Sale and Cindergard, does that benefit them? Yeah, absolutely. Because if 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 it's a six-month season and we know Chris Sale is not going to make 33 starts, if they start the season in late May, he can make the same 22 starts as Aaron Nola. And then I would be like, well, why am I taking Aaron Nola five rounds ahead of Sale? That'd be silly. But, I mean, obviously, Sale's coming back from a serious elbow injury. So there's some risk there. And maybe Boston isn't challenging for a playoff spot. Maybe they are. Who knows? But the point there would be, um, yeah, if you chop a third off the season, that's the great equalizer for guys like Syndergaard, Sale, and Strasburg that we thought were going to start the season late. Or I'm, I'm even curious as to whether they just delay it by a few weeks and have it remain a full year. So this could be a very crucial year. I don't know why they would do that. I, I – I, Look, I, don't, I'm sure, I don't know what sure they're going to do. I think MLB wants to get in as many games, especially ones with fans, as they possibly can. I think that's going to be their goal. I just don't know how they're going to do it. I don't I don't know how they're going to do it either. Um, and then on the next show, maybe we'll have a little bit more clarification about that. This is our last show of 2020. Uh, we'll get another show to you early in January. Kyle, let's bring you back now. I'm sure we have some hash browns here, people on Twitter asking questions, and they want some answers, and we'll do the best we can as uh, – Tristan has uh, too much sunlight coming into his room right now. <laughs> so the absolute worst part of the sky for me. Thankfully, it's only one day a year. This day, the shortest day of the year. Kyle, what questions do we have to answer for today? We had a few come in through Twitter. Drew wants to know what you would do as a failsafe in 2021. They froze their keeper rosters last season, just played redraft, no ramifications. He wants to know if you're going into 2021 is if it's a normal season, are you going in kind of with measured expectations and potentially freezing again? Well, I certainly think it likely they delay the start of the season. Um, there's a lot going on in this country. A lot of it isn't very good. So I, I think that they're going to have to delay spring training for starters. But in terms of keepers, I think there's going to be enough of a season that you could pr- – like the difference in a 162-game season and 130 for terms of fantasy baseball, I don't think that's great. A great difference to you? Not really. As a matter of fact, I, I, it's a complete guess. I'm thinking 1995 is the schedule, you know, like the dates, that model. I think they're going to play a similar number of games that, which was, wasn't that 144? Uh, I don't know if they're going to get that many. And like, why would you delay two weeks? I think you have to almost delay like six well, weeks. It's, it's 
December 21st, we have no idea how things are going to go with vaccines and you know how this improves with the virus over the next several months. So I agree with you that they're, it, it seems unlikely they can do a traditional spring training, but exactly how much do they delay it? Is it, is it three weeks? Well, for purposes of, a, of running a league and keepers, yeah. I'm going to approach 2021 as a normal season. And if it's 130 games instead of 162, that doesn't change anything for me. If it's 60, it does. But I believe it's going to be 130. No, what's the number where you where you'd need to make adjustments? I agree with you on this, but I'd like to know where the number is that you that adjustments need to be discussed. I think I think 120, something like that. 130. I think that's about. And even then, like what adjustments? I mean, he's talking about keepers. Yeah. Like, well, what, if you're not spending. The year's service in your keeper league. I mean, are you? Do you want to do that for an eighty-game season? I think that's the question here. Yeah, I would. I, I would because we already didn't do it for last year. You, how many years can in a row can you do it? So I, I think yeah, you approach twenty twenty-one as a normal season for everything in a league. Yes, I think you do. I, I like that's a fair point considering yeah the back-to-back years. Fair point. Can't do it in back-to-back years. You, you got to well, change it at some yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. There, Brandon wants to know. He's trying to convince his league to pivot from quality starts to innings pitched as a category, and he wants you to make the case for him. Quality starts is not really any better a category than wins. It is in a way that you need to pitch well to help your fantasy team, but it's still a misleading category. Eight shutout innings in a zero-zero game would count the same for a quality start as six innings and three. And also, I don't know how many starting pitchers are going to go six innings, especially early in the season. Remember, a lot of these guys only pitched like 50 innings, starting pitchers, you know, like, I mean, a couple got up past 70, but not a ton. So I just think that's tough to do, you know. So I I, I like innings pitched. All right, let's do Let's say that. Um, Now, a friend of mine sent me an email, a friend that we know well, and said he listened to our last podcast. What about using K9 or K percentage for pitchers to replace strikeouts, but then using innings pitch instead of wins? And I thought, I want a strikeout category. I, I, I don't mind having bulk volume strikeouts, but I do think that K percentage is the best way to evaluate strikeouts. But I like innings over wins and quality starts. And I, would, I think innings is really important. So Lance Lynn going his 200 – Lance Lynn might be the only pitcher in baseball who gives 200 innings in 2021. Now, he's not going to win the ERA title, but innings are important. They matter. Wins, I'm sorry, it's a terrible category in real life and in fantasy. Tristan, your thoughts? I'd agree with that. So I was trying to do a little bit of rough math here on the quality start rate because you know I've been very much on the quality starts over wins bandwagon. The problem is that with pitching staffs going the direction they have, quality starts has declined in each of the past – six major league seasons to the point that 41% of of all games resulted in the quality start in 2018, uh, 37% did in 2019, and this past year, only 29% of all games resulted in a quality start. That is scary low, and it's creating the same problem from a volume standpoint that wins is, except the difference is relievers can get some of those wins in your league. They cannot get quality starts. Once you have the opener come in the game, quality starts out the window. So I agree with you. I'm moving away from this. The innings pitched and strikeout percentage combo really intrigues me. I'm going to have to dig. And I saw, you know, Kyle, this question a little before. I, I want to do a, a bit of digging here because, you know, I've got that league that's uh, six by six that has quality starts, innings, pitch and K per nine. 
Curious to see if we punt quality starts and switch to K percentage if that does anything. I would get rid of quality starts. Um, it's better than wins, but it's not good. And that's how I view it. I think innings right now is the only thing that I can think of that would that would work. Innings and matter so much more now than they did than they ever have. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and frankly, this is a very good time to adjust things in your league. Now, just because I think that on-base percentage is better than batting average doesn't mean that everyone does. And just because I like K percentage better than strikeouts doesn't mean that everybody should. Some people might like wins. Um, but it's a good time to try to make changes in your league because Major League Baseball hasn't announced what changes are going to happen for 2021. So this is a, this is a time for fantasy managers in their leagues to bring things up, vote, and hopefully come to a consensus on things. And, and, and it should be a vote in your league. It shouldn't be one guy, the commissioner, saying this is what we're doing. It should be a consensus. That's how I view the leagues that I run and that uh, you know, I like to be in. I think that's the key point right there. Do it now. Don't be baseball and decide, eh, you know, the first week of the season, this is this is how the playoffs and stuff are going to work. Like, I, I think figuring it out now, well in advance, I think that's kind of the takeaway, no matter what you decide. I mean, everybody's going to figure out something different. Quality starts, wins, innings pitch. We're all going to have our favorites, but if you decide it ahead of time, I think that's the play. Last one here comes from Joe. He wants to know who your favorite players are to take a step forward in year two. Year two. So that would be somebody who debuted in 2020, like a Dylan Carlson, who a lot of people are going to be down on, but that's ridiculous because how can you possibly evaluate Dylan Carlson based on however many at-bats he got? Um, so let me look at the debuts. There were a lot of debuts, I'm sure. But to me, like, if you like, let's put it this way. Dylan Carlson and Alec Bone. okay, Carlson, the Cardinals outfielder, and Alec Bohm, the Phillies third baseman, who's going to have to move to first base or designate hitter. I think entering 2020, we view both of them as future stars. I could be wrong, but we thought these guys are really going to hit. And one of them did, and one of them did not. I don't care. It doesn't change anything for me. I, I, I maybe, maybe I'm blind, but and, and, you, know, you know I'm a Phillies fan, but it doesn't matter. I like what Alcbaum did. I like what Cabrian Hayes did. But if Cabrian Hayes had hit 100 points lower, and his bad kind of tells us he should have, that wouldn't have changed anything for me either. Dylan Carlson, to me, is still going to be a really, really good baseball player. In fact, I thought there were Kyle Lewis comps statistically before the season. Lewis hit and ran. Carlson did not. I don't change my opinion on either of them. I think Kyle Lewis is going to be really overdrafted in fantasy leagues, and Carlson is going to be underdrafted. Does anything I just said make sense? It does. I like the Carlson idea for uh, improvement this year, and he showed some signs of it down the stretch as well. But how do you know? Like, he barely got to play, (laughs) you know? No, I know. I know. But... I watched a lot of the Cardinals games because they had volume and I had Cardinals players in my lineups when I was trying to uh, play catch up uh, late in my seasons. I mean, like even like, like basically it was only a 60 game season and Luis Robert of the White Sox had two seasons. He hit in one month, he hit. And in the second month, he didn't hit. So what are we supposed to believe? So I look at Luis Robert as a guy who's going to hit for power, steal bases and maybe hit 230. But He's going to do things, okay? Yeah. I just don't get too excited. Like, I've got Jake Cronenworth in a league, a dynasty league, and people are asking about him, and I'm thinking he's never going to do that again. If I was a smart fantasy manager like you, you would trade him away right now. If somebody thinks that guy's going to do that again, that's crazy. Yeah. 
but I think it's individual how you look at all these players. Is that fair? That's that's how that's, I that's fair. Yeah, I'll throw so I'll throw two players from the same team here as guys I think are going to improve in year number two, or at least you know year after the rookie year. Both Giants. I think Joey Bart gets a little bit better. You know, I'm very much. I don't think he plays. I, I don't think he's going to play. I think he sits in the minors for five yeah. months with Buster Posey in the majors. Yeah. I, I mean, the the roster construction here, you know, Posey did dabble a lot at first base. Did the Giants go in that direction? But why would they probably, do that? Probably not. But I, I think if Bart is given a chance, that I've told you the lengthy learning curve of catcher. The other one who I will play is Mauricio Dubon. Mauricio yes. showed signs last year. The numbers were not great. The slugging percentage was awful. But I will tell you this. He maintained what he was doing in the high minors. He gets a little bit of lift on the ball. This is a guy who hits more fly balls than he does ground balls, which you wouldn't think of that when you think of a guy you look at as, you know, light, pop, decent batting average and some speed. I, I think there's some five-category five potential there. I think exactly that. I think he might be their center fielder. And doesn't he still have second base eligibility? What's the eligibility rule? Is it, is it we're gonna have ten uh, games, 10 right? Games. Yeah. 10. So instead of twenty, it'll be ten games. Like I'm thinking, like Ryan Mountcastle has a power bat, not a batting average guy, but a two fifty guy that hits twenty five home runs. If they play him every day, which I don't know why they wouldn't. And unfortunately, Debon is only outfield for us. Okay. All right, but there's a lot of and obviously Mountcastle didn't struggle in 2020. He hit 333, but. That's not who he is. So if the question is somebody who struggled, uh, well, I mean, he could take steps forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I tend to go to the pitching side when I'm looking for bounce back performances because I'm thinking of when the natural learning curve is lengthened. And I think it is tougher for pitchers and I think it's tougher for catchers than it is for most hitters. Well, look, here's a name for you, OK? Now, according to what I'm looking at at Baseball Reference, there were 212 players who debuted in 2020. The worst wins above replacement among all those players is a guy that we thought might win rookie of the year. That's my trivia question for today. Who had the worst war of all? Evan White would have had good defensive war. Um, That's my, my made up on the fly trivia question. Because I would have said Evan White if it was offensive war. Uh, A rookie of the year candidate. This is a guy who we thought if he played, this is a top prospect. And we were like, this guy's going to be a great fantasy option. He had a minus oh, 1.4. Joe Adele was terrible in 2020. And I don't care. Like, I, I kind of view Joe Adele as, what, is that, what does that tell us? Does it tell us that he can't hit? We knew he was a strikeout guy. Yes. But, all right, so that that's a, 55 strikeouts and 124 at-bats. That's a problem. But he never really got a shot to make adjustments either. And maybe he has to go back to the minors. He's still only 21. But – and he probably does start the season in the minors. But, like, oh, Joe right. Adele and Dylan Carlson, I haven't changed my mind at all about these guys. Is that crazy? His own manager just threw him under the bus this week. I mean, saying he he absolutely needs more time in the minors. So, I, But I'm with you that I think Joe Adele – the ship hasn't sailed. I tried to get him in a keeper league because I, I felt I wanted to take <clears> – <throat> excuse me, take a chance. And – the guy was a you know competitive team. Didn't want to take the bait. I, I was offering an elite player. I, I don't even remember who it was, and he ended up not winning the league as a result. But so be it. I think Adele's. It might take two or three years, but Adele's going to get there. Look, I, if there's anything that I can say about the overall picture of fantasy baseball when it comes to prospects who debuted in 2020, 
Don't believe everything you saw. Casey Mize is still going to be really, really good. The fact that his ERA was 699 in seven starts, that means nothing to me. It means nothing. This doesn't. Joe Adele being that bad, Dylan Carlson, but Bohm and Cabrian Hayes being that good, I like them. I think they're going to hit, but don't go crazy here. That that would be my my final word when it comes to prospects. <laughs> what? You think that's wrong? No, I I know. I think it's a good final word. We, are we why are we reaching the final words? <laughs> well, I think we've we've carried on long enough. Kyle disappeared, so I, I think that's um. We'll leave it at that. We gotta have another final word. No, we can't leave it at that. We've got an important occasion coming up on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to it. I got a Merry Christmas to everybody who celebrates that holiday, and to those who celebrate Hanukkah that passed. That happy Hanukkah to you as well, and Happy New. Oh no, 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 no! To an extent, let's sing the. Although it's been said many times, many ways. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> and now I realize why you wanted to do a show today. Uh, <laughs> there it is. That's the only reason we did a show today. Oh, this is the closest we've ever gotten to be able to actually get to celebrate your birthday on the show. And I've been so happy to be able to do that. <laughs> I no longer call you a friend. Um, <laughs> oh, at, least, at least you didn't sing it. So well, you didn't sing "Happy Birthday" the "Happy Birthday" annoying song. We don't. I don't think we have access to any of that. Anyway. Darkness. Uh, anyway, thank you, everybody. <laughs> it's uh, yes, my birthday is on Christmas. Um, thank you to Kyle for doing a great job researching and producing our show. We appreciate Kyle very much. And uh, football's almost over, buddy, but basketball is just starting. Uh, to the Grinch, Tristan H. Cockcroft, the H stands for Happy Holidays. Thank you so much for your friendship and for doing a great job on this show. I'm sure I will talk to you later in the week. And to everybody who listens and downloads and do whatever you do to our show, we appreciate it. We appreciate the notes coming in, the positive ones on Twitter and an email. Heck, we do our best here. We're just a couple of uh, baseball guys, football guys, basketball guys, whatever, who like to talk sports. And uh, if that means we go on and on about Neftali Felice once in a while, then so be it. Uh, That is all for the year in the fantasy focused baseball podcast thank you so much for listening and we will be back in january have a great holiday season